0: part two chapter four of an outcast of the islands by joseph conrad this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tom weiss chapter four babalatchi saw abdullah pass through the low and narrow entrance into the darkness of omar's hut heard them exchange the usual greetings and a distinguished visitor's grave voice asking there is no misfortune please god but the sight and then, becoming aware of the disapproving looks of the two Arabs who had accompanied Abdullah, he followed their example and fell back out of earshot. He did it unwillingly, although he did not ignore that what was going to happen in there was now absolutely beyond his control. He roamed irresolutely about for a while, and at last wandered with careless steps towards the fire which had been moved from under the tree close to the hut and a little to windward of its entrance he squatted on his heels and began playing pensively with live embers as was his habit when engrossed in thought withdrawing his hand sharply and shaking it above his head when he burned his fingers in a fit of deeper abstraction sitting there he could hear the murmur of the talk inside the hut and he could distinguish the voices but not the words abdullah spoke in deep tones and now and then this flowing monotone was interrupted by a querulous exclamation a weak moan or a plaintive quaver of the old man yes it was annoying not to be able to make out what they were saying thought babalatchi as he sat gazing fixedly at the unsteady glow of the fire but it will be right all will be right abdullah inspired him with confidence he came up fully to his expectation from the very first moment when he set his eye on him he felt sure that this man whom he had known by reputation only was very resolute perhaps too resolute perhaps he would want to grasp too much later on a shadow flitted over babalatchi's face on the eve of the accomplishment of his desires he felt the bitter taste of that drop of doubt which is mixed with the sweetness of every success when hearing footsteps on the veranda of the big house he lifted his head the shadow had passed away, and on his face there was an expression of watchful alertness. Willems was coming down the plankway into the courtyard. The light within trickled through the cracks of the badly joined walls of the house, and in the illuminated doorway appeared the moving form of Isa. She also passed into the night outside and disappeared from view. Babalatchi wondered where she had got to, and for the moment forgot the approach of Willems the voice of the white man speaking roughly above his head made him jump to his feet as if impelled upwards by a powerful spring where's abdullah babalatchi waved his hand towards the hut and stood listening intently the voices within had ceased then recommenced again he shot an oblique glance at willems whose indistinct form towered above the glow of dying embers make up this fire said willems abruptly i want to see your face With obliging alacrity, Babalatchi put some dry brushwood on the coals from a handy pile, keeping all the time a watchful eye on Willems. When he straightened himself up, his hand wandered almost involuntarily towards his left side to feel the handle of a crisp amongst the folds of his sarong, but he tried to look unconcerned under the angry stare. "'You are in good health, please God,' he murmured yes answered willems with an unexpected loudness that caused babalatchi to start nervously yes health you he made a long stride and dropped both his hands on the Malay's shoulders in the powerful grip babalatchi swayed to and fro limply but his face was as peaceful as when he sat a little while ago dreaming by the fire with a final vicious jerk willems let go suddenly and turning away on his heel stretched his hands over the fire babalatchi stumbled backwards recovered himself and wriggled his shoulders laboriously say 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 he clicked deprecatingly after a short silence he went on with accentuated admiration what a man it is what a strong man a man like that he concluded in a tone of meditative wonder a man like that could upset mountains mountains he gazed hopefully for a while at willems broad shoulders and continued addressing the inimical back in a low and persuasive voice but why be angry with me with me who think only of your good did i not give her refuge in my own house yes tuan this is my own house i will let you have it without any recompense because she must have a shelter therefore you and she shall live here who can know a woman's mind and such a woman if she wanted to go away from that other place who am i to say no i am omar's servant i said gladden my heart by taking my house did i say right i'll tell you something said willems without changing his position if she takes a fancy to go away from this place it is you who shall suffer i will wring your neck when the heart is full of love there is no room in it for justice recommenced babalatchi with unmoved and persistent softness why slay me you know tuan what she wants A splendid destiny is her desire, as of all women. You have been wronged and cast out by your people, she knows that, but you are brave, you are strong, you are a man, and, Tuan, I am older than you, you are in her hand. Such is the fate of strong men, and she is of noble birth and cannot live like a slave. You know her, and you are in her hand. You are like a snared bird because of your strength, and, remember i am a man that has seen much submit tuan submit or else he drawled out the last words in a hesitating manner and broke off his sentence still stretching his hands in turns towards the blaze and without moving his head willems gave a short lugubrious laugh and asked or else what she may go away again who knows finished babalatchi in a gentle and insinuating tone this time willems spun round sharply Babalatchi stepped back. "'If she does, it will be the worse for you,' said Willems in a menacing tone. "'It will be your doing, and I—' Babalatchi spoke from beyond the circle of light with calm disdain. "'Haya! I have heard before. If she goes, then I die. Good. Will that bring her back to you, Tuan? If it is my doing it shall be well done, O oh white man. And, who knows, you will have to live without her?' willems gasped and started back like a confident wayfarer who pursuing a path he thinks safe should see just in time in a bottomless chasm under his feet babalatchi came into the light and approached willems sideways with his head thrown back and a little on one side so as to bring his only eye to bear full on the countenance of the tall white man you threaten me said willems indistinctly i twan exclaimed babalatchi with a slight suspicion of irony in the affected surprise of his tone i tuan who spoke of death was it i no i spoke of life only only of life of a long life for a lonely man they stood with the fire between them both silent both aware each in his own way of the importance of the passing minutes babalatchi's fatalism gave him only an insignificant relief in his suspense because no fatalism can kill the thought of the future, the desire of success, the pain of waiting for the disclosure of the immutable decrees of heaven. Fatalism is born of the fear of failure, for we all believe that we carry success in our own hands, and we suspect that our hands are weak. Babalachi looked at Willems and congratulated himself upon his ability to manage that white man. There was a pilot for Abdullah, a victim to appease lingard's anger in case of any mishap he would take good care to put him forward in everything in any case let the white men fight it out amongst themselves they were fools he hated them the strong fools and knew that for his righteous wisdom was reserved a safe triumph willems measured dismally the depth of his degradation he a white man the admired of white men was held by those miserable savages whose tool he was about to become he felt for them all the hate of his race of his morality of his intelligence he looked upon himself with dismay and pity she had him he had heard of such things he had heard of women who he would never believe such stories yet they were true but his own captivity seemed more complete terrible and final without the hope of any redemption he wondered at the wickedness of providence that had made him what he was, that, worse still, permitted such a creature as Almayer to live. He had done his duty by going to him. Why did he not understand? All men were fools. He gave him his chance. The fellow did not see it. It was hard, very hard on himself, Villains. He wanted to take her from amongst her own people. That's why he had condescended to go to Almayer he examined himself with a sinking heart he thought that really he could not somehow live without her it was terrible and sweet he remembered the first days her appearance her face her smile her eyes her words a savage woman yet he perceived that he could think of nothing else but of the three days of their separation of the few hours since their reunion very well if he could not take her away then he would go to her he had for a moment a wicked pleasure in the thought that what he had done could not be undone he had given himself up he felt proud of it he was ready to face anything do anything he cared for nothing for no body he thought himself very fearless but as a matter of fact he was only drunk drunk with the poison of passionate memories he stretched out his hands over the fire looked round and called out "'Isa! She must have been near, for she appeared at once within the light of the fire. The upper part of her body was wrapped up in the thick folds of a head covering which was pulled down over her brow, and one end of it thrown across from shoulder to shoulder hid the lower part of her face. Only her eyes were visible, somber, and gleaming like a starry night. Willems, looking at this strange muffled figure, felt exasperated, amazed, and helpless.' The ex-confidential clerk of the rich hooting would hug to his breast settled conceptions of respectable conduct. He sought refuge within his ideas of propriety from the dismal mangroves, from the darkness of the forest, and of the heathen souls of the savages that were his masters. She looked like an animated package of cheap cotton goods. It made him furious. She had disguised herself so because a man of her race was near. He told her not to do it, and she did not obey. Would his ideas ever change so as to agree with her own notions of what was becoming proper and respectable? He was really afraid they would in time. It seemed to him awful. She would never change. This manifestation of her sense of proprieties was another sign of their hopeless diversity, something like another step downwards for him. She was too different from him. He was so civilized. It struck him suddenly that they had nothing in common, not a thought, not a feeling. He could not make clear to her the simplest motive of any act of his, and he could not live without her. The courageous man who stood facing Babalatchi gasped unexpectedly with a gasp that was half a groan. This little matter of her veiling herself against his wish acted upon him like a disclosure of some great disaster. It increased his contempt for himself, as the slave of a passion he had always derided as the man unable to assert his will this will all his sensations his personality all this seemed to be lost in the abominable desire in the priceless promise of that woman he was not of course able to discern clearly the causes of his misery but there are none so ignorant as not to know suffering none so simple as not to feel and suffer from the shock of warring impulses the ignorant must feel and suffer from their complexity as well as the wisest. But to them the pain of struggle and defeat appears strange, mysterious, remedial, and unjust. He stood watching her, watching himself. He tingled with rage from head to foot, as if he had been struck in the face. Suddenly he laughed, but his laugh was like a distorted echo of some insincere mirth very far away. From the other side of the fire, Bellacci spoke hurriedly. Here is Tuan Abdullah. End of Chapter Four. Recording by Tom Weiss. Tom's Audiobooks. Com.